0: today on Agnes Daily.
1: Right now the federal government has a goal of producing 30 billion gallons of sustainable aviation fuel in 2030. And there's actually three different feedstocks that could go into that. One obviously being ethanol as we're speaking of today. Hey listeners, welcome back
0: to the Ag News Daily podcast. We got Tanner and Delaney hanging out today. It is February 7th, 2024, making our way Through the week and through the month, Delaney, how's the weather in Minnesota?
2: The weather is pretty much the same as it was in Iowa, Tanner, but (laughs) warmer than expected temperatures for this time of year.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems like that. I know agronomy on ice is happening this week up Mm. in North Dakota, if I remember correctly. And unfortunately, the agronomy on ice is actually agronomy in the parking lot this year because (laughs) of how warm temperatures have been in their neck of the woods
2: yeah that's true I was just thinking there's probably not a lot of ice coverage so that would be actually an agronomy on ice I would like to go to
0: (laughs) it uh, probably would be very enjoyable minus the fact you can't really ice fish but yes uh, it's probably sweatshirt weather the ability to mingle and roam around and have a good time We do see winter weather advisories kicking up for parts of Montana and the Dakotas. Mixed precipitation will be forecasted in the late this afternoon into this evening, overnight for eastern Montana, western North Dakota, and western South Dakota. There could be potential in higher elevations for three to five inches of snow. That is along with, dependent upon where that cool line for temperature is, some potential ice accumulations of up to a 10th of an inch, and wind gusts up to 35 miles per hour. Travel could be difficult in those areas. More snow and freezing rain are on their way into other states Friday and Saturday. We'll hit more of a focus on that tomorrow. In Iowa, here in the central part of the state, clear skies. Uh, for parts of the morning, looks like a high of 58 degrees, with chances of rain starting in the overnight into tomorrow as well. Delaney,
2: that just seems like good fishing weather, not ice fishing weather.
0: That's right. I think that would make a, a very cool start to a fishing day, and probably result in some nice catches.
2: I think so, too. I'm not a big fisher, but I was like, I'd do that tomorrow. That's I'd do anything outside tomorrow. I'm going to take advantage of this warmer <laughs> weather while we can. Tanner super excited about this next headline. I think this is going to be uh, one of the big calls to the show at Commodity Classic, but K- IH just revealed their newest combine, which is now the largest in North America. They have dealers gathered in Florida this week to unveil their new Class 10 Plus Combine, the AF-11. This is going to be a big one in the record books here, but does mark the largest harvesting machine on North America's shores. It uh, can hold up to 567 bushels in the grain tank, which is a 39% increase compared to their 9250 series model. It has up to a 50-foot draper head and a 16-row corn head. The uh, other piece here that's really neat is operators can unload that tank in at six bushels per second, 100 seconds for the full tank. It This thing is monstrous. It is really going to push the envelope here for growers that use it, Tanner.
0: Yeah, I saw that headline as well. It seems like there's quite a bit of machinery headlines coming about as we're weeks away from Commodity Classic, we did see that Agco, one of the ag machinery and technology makers, announced its earnings year over year, and they rose from 2023 to 2022. Sales came in at $14.4 billion. That's up from $12.7 billion in 2022. Net income was $1.17 billion, which was up from $874 million dollars. Earnings per share jumped to fifteen dollars and sixty three cents up from eleven dollars and eighty seven cents so made a good investment there, Delaney. The North American sales total was three point seven five billion, so only a fraction of their total sales. South American revenue two point two three billion, and Europe led the way with seven point five four so interesting to see there. They do have a projected sales decline for 2024 after boosting record levels in 2023, but certainly good news for those that had invested in them as well. Another piece of machinery news, Kinsey has released their new 5670 model split row planter. The planter runs both 15 and 30 inch row widths and can be used for narrow row planting as well as multi-crop planting. They're following up its announcements of that 5000 series planter last year. They call this that 5670 as a next generation. This allows you to potentially plant two different hybrids in that split row configuration. It is all electric drive, has a cast iron frame and continues to use their patented pivot fold frame. It's narrow when transported and stable in the field. So you can take a look there, Delaney, at their spec sheets. But a lot of manufacturers probably going to be pushing headlines out here in the next couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, you know how on the NFL, well, leading up to the Super Bowl, we were watching Sunday Ticket the other morning, and they all have their picks, right, for who they think is going to be in the Super Bowl heading into that final game there that selected the two uh two teams to face off tanner i think we should give our super bowl type picks for commodity classic i was thinking about this last night on my drive to minnesota my pick for this year's focal point for commodity classic tanner is going to be biologicals
0: oh i see where you're going with that it uh i do think there is going to be a big emphasis on that but i'm gonna go with robotics
2: all right i like it we'll see uh who wins that challenge? Not sure how we're going to determine that because I'm sure there will be a lot of different products and things unveiled. But I think maybe just the buzz, talking to farmers, we're going to get a good feeling for what are those things standing out to growers. But I was, uh, I just feel like biologicals lately. I, I listened to a Pioneer webinar last week, saw a Farm Progress webinar or a podcast recording, I should say, listen to that last night, there's just a lot of buzz and momentum right now around the biological space. So I think it's definitely one we're going to need to dig into a little bit more here on the podcast. So Keeping our headlines moving here, Tanner, the USDA will begin issuing their final emergency relief program or ERP payments, totaling approximately $306 million to eligible producers, both in commodity and specialty crops, who incurred losses due to natural disasters, both in the years of 2020 and 2021. If you received an ERP phase one payment, you will automatically qualify for an ERP two payment. But those initial one payments were going to producers who were indemnified through federal crop insurance and were subject to a 75% payment factor. The Farm Service Agency has since determined adequate funding exists to provide an additional three and a half percent for their ERP Two payment here and will bring the overall payment factor to 78.5%. If you have questions about that, you can go visit your local FSA office. But I believe those payments will automatically start to roll out here, Tanner.
0: Yeah, it looks like they will, but there are still complaints coming from turkey growers because the USDA has yet to refer. Reform how chicken companies pay contract growers as well as turkey growers, and they're being left out of that ERP program. When you look at raising turkeys for a major producer, your calculated pay is based upon performance where the producers themselves Delaney are not included in that ERP payment so a lot of a lot of things are pushing behind the scenes through state and national organizations to consider have the USDA consider how turkey and chicken growers are considered but US justice department is still in the midst of their probe for adm accounting practices and making sure that those are acceptable They are continuing to inspect the work of two people with direct knowledge of the matter, ramping up pressure on the global commodities giant. The shares of the ADM stock since January 22nd has dropped 24%. Again, the CFO still remains suspended and the SEC is funding this inquiry. Two sources state that the U.S. Attorney's Office and the Southern District Court of New York have interviewed employees about the accounting practices. They are looking at the feed department to begin with and will continue to expand their search based upon the results of this probe sources say that Prosecutors uh, have talked about the company's practices being close to aligned with general accounting. A third source with knowledge of the matter states that they have opened their investigation within ADM and that ADM is aware of the substance of the probe, so they will continue to comply and push through. We do not have very clear definitions as to how deep this investigation will go, Delaney, but it is still ongoing.
2: Tanner, I missed this headline as we were talking about our Super Bowl picks for Commodity Classic. (laughs) Uh, The Super Bowl here coming up this coming weekend is going to see a lot of chicken wings consumed. Tanner, will chicken wings be on your menu?
0: Absolutely. I love making chicken wings.
2: I do as well. I hope they're on our menu. We haven't talked about what we're even doing yet. I can't believe the Super Bowl is already here, but the National Chicken Council announced that the second biggest eating day of the year coming after Thanksgiving is almost here, as the Chiefs and 49ers will kick off in the Super Bowl this coming weekend. According to the National Chicken Council, Americans will consume a lot of chicken wings. Tanner, do you want to guess how many chicken wings Americans will consume this Sunday?
0: Am I looking for a by-pounds or by-person answer?
2: By total wings.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, 8 million.
2: No, much, much, much larger than that. They are estimating 1.45 billion, with the B wings, will be eaten this Sunday while watching the game. This year's prediction is actually flat compared to 2023. So they're expecting to see the same amount of wings consumed last year. And they said that the average person will eat about four wings on Sunday, Tanner.
0: Well, I am certainly above average uh, in that category, <laughs> but that is uh, very interesting to share. Last headlines I've got is just back to Russia and Ukraine. It has been confirmed that the ex-Fox News host, Tucker Carlson, was granted an interview with Vladimir Putin. The Kremlin has released this, stating that this will be the first American journalist since before Russia's invasion of Ukraine nearly two years ago. This has been uh, considered a non-one-sided reporting as the Kremlin is stating that this was a very friendly interview and is uh, there to share the position. When it comes to countries in the collective West, the large network of media has been against them is what the kremlin is reporting and stated that they trusted tucker carlson's ability to accurately depict the situation Uh, we do have reports that uh, overnight russia did attack kiev and there is reports of five deaths with more wounded as key targets were hit Ukrainian parliament passed its first reading of the bill, tightening the army mobilization drills. And of course, this comes in a very tense situation now, as Ukraine is dealing with a little unrest about military movements. And of course, what they are looking at for non-election during wartime. So a couple of updates there. Quite interesting to see what's happening between Russia and Ukraine.
2: My final headline here updates us uh, from the Israel-Hamas conflict. Pinner, we saw over the last uh, 24 hours here, Israel's news outlets are reporting that some senior officials are asking or saying that the Hamas have demanded a ceasefire. The Hamas's proposed ceasefire would allow a four and a half month pause for guns in the Gaza Strip, during which they would allow all hostages to go free. Israel could withdraw their troops from the Gaza Strip, and they can work together to reach an agreement to end the war during that four and a half month ceasefire. The uh, Israeli side is saying that some of the requests they're making are going to maybe be too drastic and too dire, and they're not sure if this is going to really work out here for a true ceasefire. But nonetheless, it sounds like officials on both sides are open. Uh, However, the demands presented by the Hamas were not acceptable to Israel without providing more details. So they said uh, they will not pull their troops completely out of Gaza until Hamas is wiped out. So it doesn't sound like the ceasefire proposal there was rejected outright, but it also doesn't sound like it went over fairly well with the Israelis, Tanner. So we'll continue to watch those headlines and see how that story unfolds.
0: Yeah, you're right. Uh wasn't expecting that, but it looks like maybe there could be an end near or at least a temporary one. But where do markets look like they're gonna open today?
2: Yeah, markets look like they're trading to the downside here as we head into the opening session. March corn is down four and three quarter cents at four thirty-four. March soybeans down fifteen in the overnights at eleven eighty four and three quarters. Taking a look at the wheat complex, they are not saved from the weakness here in the grains as the March Chicago contract down two and a half cents at five ninety two. March hard red winter wheat down two pennies on the board at six seventeen, and March spring wheat down two and a half cents at six ninety and three quarters. Taking a look at the livestock markets, here's a quick reminder at where things will open here on the board this morning. April live cattle continuing to try and find their footing here after they added $3.72.5 cents to the board yesterday will open at a buck eighty six oh seven. March feeder cattle will open at 2 dollars And April lean hog shed 95 cents yesterday will open on the board this morning at $81.25. To for today's interview conversation, we are chatting with Dan Keitzer to talk about the new potential here for sustainable aviation fuel and how Iowa's corn producers may or may not be able to take advantage of that new emerging market. So let's turn it over to that conversation with Dan. Well, as we continue to watch sustainable aviation fuel hit the headlines, we are chatting today with Dan Keitzer, the Iowa Corn Industrial Usage and U.S. Production Chair for the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Dan, thanks for joining us today on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me to uh, talk about this important potential new demand for Iowa corn.
2: Absolutely. We're excited to dig into that with you. But before we talk about sustainable aviation fuel, talk to us a little bit more about your role with the Iowa Corn Growers Association and how you found yourself at the conference talking about SAF.
1: Uh, well, I am a director on the Iowa Corn Growers Association representing District 9 of the crop reporting districts, which is basically Southeast Iowa. And uh, then also I'm chairman, as you said, of that committee and that committee, even though it's called usage and production, uh, one of the main portfolios that we look after is our work in creating ethanol demand. We've had a little bit of a relationship with Lonza Jet, who is the company that is opening the ethanol to jet uh, fuel plant in Georgia. Uh, they've spoke to our committee a couple of times. And so we were fortunate enough to get an invitation to the grand opening, which was last week.
0: So that was exciting. And we're going to talk more about that down the road, but can you talk more about what you and your crew do to help boost demand for Iowa corn?
1: Well, basically, uh, Iowa Corn uh, works in several facets. You know, we have a vice president of market development, and uh, we also have a research committee. So we're obviously the research committee is always looking for new products to be made out of corn. Uh, One of the recent patents that they were able to get is a a product that could potentially replace the plastic and water bottles. Um, and other plastic sources. And we have actually been able to sell that uh, uh, license to a company so and now going to industrialize that. So that's kind of exciting because whenever you're doing research on product development, it is a very long uh, process and it's kind of good to see that come to fruition. In our case, in our committee, we work with uh, ethanol demand, so obviously we do a lot with fuel retailers in Iowa trying to increase the adoption of E15, and uh, also we look for other uses for ethanol, and that's why this SAF, uh, sustainable aviation fuel, has kind of come into our um, uh, sight line that we want to be avail- uh, work on.
2: Dan, the big question mark, I think, that came out of that press conference, at least that was reported by the media, is the position that I was going to have to continue, and in, in the ethanol industry is going to have to continue here to progress forward to be able to work within the sustainable aviation space. Can you shed some light on maybe what that potential gap is right now and why we're not maybe positioned in the best way to produce for sustainable aviation
1: fuel? That is very correct, Delaney. Um, you know, this, this uh, first of all, we'll talk a little bit about the potential demand to impact for corn. So that maybe we'll set up why it's so important. Um, you know, right now, the federal government has a goal of producing 30 billion gallon of sustainable aviation fuel by 2030. And there's actually like three products or three different feedstocks that could go into that. One, obviously, being ethanol, as we're speaking of today, one is a uh, crop-based oil, so uh, very much soybean oil or corn oil, and the other would be uh, waste fat, so like your cooking oils and those kind of things. So we obviously won't get the whole market, but as an example, if we would get 50% of the market by 2030, that would increase corn demand uh, for ethanol by about 810 million bushel a year. Uh, The unfortunate thing is right now, our ethanol plants are not in a position to be able to be utilized in that market. So the plant in Georgia, and they have directly stated to us their full intention is they want to use U.S.-based manufactured ethanol. But to begin with, they have to use Brazilian ethanol because they have a lower carbon intensity ci for short score on that ethanol from brazil and there's two reasons that that is one a lot of the ethanol is made from sugar cane so that has a lower carbon score and the other one that really seems unfair to me is as you look at the land use and uh, uh cropping practices to produce the corn obviously that all adds to that carbon score in Brazil, almost all the corn is a second crop. So you hear the Savari corn, they plant beans first, and then they uh, plant corn later. Well, all the carbon um, cost go to the first crop by the modeling that is intact today, and the second crop has no carbon cost. So that allows them to produce carbon or corn-based ethanol at a lot lower CI score. So, now let's talk about uh, SAF and sustainable aviation fuel. So, in order to be qualified sustainable, it has to have a 50% reduction in carbon scoring from the regular old Jet A that all of the jets are flying around today. I'll use a, a try to keep this kind of simple and we'll use some very round numbers. So, Jet A fuel today has a CI score of about 100. So again, to qualify for sustainable aviation fuel, you need to get that down to 50. Our plants in the Midwest today, for the most part, have a CI score of in the high 50s to 60. So we'll use 60 as a round number. When you take ethanol and turn it into Jet A, It takes about 15 carbon credits to get there. So now you've got a CI score of 15 or of 75, which obviously is not the 50 that's needed. However, if you can uh, take the CO2 off of the top of the fermenting takes at the ethanol plants and either use that in an industrial use or transport it somewhere where it can be put underground and sequestered forever, you can lower that CI score to 30. So if you do take a 60 from the plant now and then change that to a 30, add 15 to it to manufacture the sustainable aviation fuel. now we're at 45. So I know that's kind of complicated. Uh, I sure, you know, I can expand on that more, but um, I see what you think we need to talk about that more.
0: So our, our true listeners are going to tie a lot of the things you just talked about together. We've had a conversation with Mitchell Hora and what his project is, identifying the actual CI score of a bushel of corn using his billion bushel challenge and we've also had conversations about the co2 pipeline that allows this to happen so would it be fair to say that there is a path forward for us-based ethanol to be included in this equation
1: yes there would be Uh, basically you can lower the ci score in three different ways and uh, what Mitchell's talking about, I'm all well aware of what he's doing, is, uh, you know, climate smart farming, climate smart ag. And uh, so, yeah, you do get credits for um, cover crops and those kind of things. It is going to take a lot of record keeping to get that. And so that corn and again, actually, the rules aren't even completely written yet. So we don't even know exactly what that will work like when they finally do come out. But that's one way to lower the CI score. Also, you can use renewable energy on the, in the ethanol plant. That helps lower the CI score. The, um, the kind of the uh, ironic thing with that is if you already have a wind farm sitting next to your ethanol plant, you're generating energy already. That does not count. It has to be new renewable energy. So you have to put up another wind farm, which again seems kind of messed up. That's the way the rules live, read. And then obviously the third one is carbon sequestration from the plant. The quickest way there is carbon sequestration from the plant, from the plant, because that can lower it 30 really fast. To do it with the other two, you will need a combination of the two to get there.
2: Anna, I want to dig a little bit more into the demand piece as well, because I think back to ethanol and the big demand boom it was intended to create for the ag industry, and it certainly did for a time, but then we saw that demand really trail off for the corn grower industry. What are your expectations here for the sustainable aviation fuel, assuming we get through maybe some of these challenges you just mentioned?
1: Yeah. And I guess, uh, Delaney, I would say that I, I don't really think the demand has trailed off. It's just not expanding at this point. You know, we're producing about 15 billion gallon of ethanol a year. Uh, we're using about 14 of that in the domestic market. We're exporting a million to million and a half. But that's been pretty stable. But unfortunately, we as farmers continue to get to be more efficient where we have better genetics, you know, just like in Iowa last year, we had a drought, but we had ended up having a uh, almost a record corn crop. So the genetics are, you know, good by the seed companies. Uh, Obviously, we're applying fertilizer in a more precise method, putting the right product on at the right time and the right place and the right rate. And also our our, uh, plant health products are better, so our our crop protection's better from disease and insects. With all that said, you know, a year ago, we ended the corn carryout with about 1.3 billion billion bushel corn. With our 23, 24 crop, it looks like we're, right now the USDA is projecting it be about 2.2 billion. So that raises that carryout by 60%. And as all farmers know, that's lowered our corn price by about $2 from a year ago. With uh, a trend ideal, which we're assuming the USDA will project here in February when they do their Ag Outlook meeting, uh, the carry out very male like grow to 2.7 billion, which is another 25% increase. So with that said, you can see we're kind of in a downward spiral until we create some demand and that's why this SAF is a, has great potential.
0: So I want to go back to this plant being in Georgia. Why Georgia not put it in the Midwest?
1: Well, that's kind of a unique question, and there's a reason. I kind of asked the same thing. And um, so there's a company called Lonza Tech, and they're actually the ones that developed uh, the patents and the process to convert ethanol to SAF. They already had a uh, a plant in Georgia or, or basically an R&D farm where they're, you know, playing with all the technology. So they already had extra real estate. So it only made sense for them. Lonza Jet is basically a subsidiary of Lonza Tech. It only made sense for them to build in Georgia next to this area. Now, this plant is, you know, I talked about um, 3 billion gallon or... Um, of demand, you know, by 2030, you know this plant's only a 10 million gallon plant per year. It's going to actually produce nine billion gallon, nine million, excuse me, nine million gallon of jet fuel. <laughs> it's only going to produce. It's going to produce about nine million gallon of jet fuel, and one million gallon of renewable diesel. So you know it's not going to make a big bite out of the what we totally need but i this i believe is kind of a demo plant because again this is the first in the world that this has been done so i think they built it to the size that it could be a commercially viable operation and actually lonza had announced at this grand opening that they totally have plans to build another billion gallon worth of capacity within the next uh 4 to 5 years so yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense that it's out in the middle of georgia but i believe that's why
2: that's all the time we have for today, but we appreciate your insight and background about the potential marketplace that this could be for corn growers here in the Midwest.
1: Well, thank you for having me today. And again, at Iowa Corn, that's what we do. We're trying to work for the corn farmers of Iowa, and we, we appreciate those that contribute to the checkoff and our, and our members that allow us to do that. Thank you. We
0: appreciate Dan's insight. And uh, as you can look, there are plenty of more articles out there if you want to do your own research, but appreciate him sharing that. Listeners appreciate you hanging out with us as well. But Delaney for today, should we let him go?
2: Let's let him go.